I'm Ryan Johnson. I'm Tyler Schmidt. I'm Lou Janu. And this is Car Talk, a podcast about trading cards. We're here to teach you everything you need to know about flipping cards. Whether it's the next breakout rookie, a new Magic the Gathering release on the way, or Pokemon's 25th anniversary, we'll break it all down. So sit back and listen up. Those cards collecting dust in your closet could make you some real cash. Welcome to Card Talk. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in again. I believe this is episode potentially 18 now of Card Talk Podcast. 18. I know, crazy. Adam just gave a nice. You're telling me that the Card Talk Podcast has reached its legal voting age the day before the election? Unbelievable. That's exactly where Cheers. I was going with that one. Incredible. Uh, we are incredibly honored. I just want to interrupt and say what an honor it is to be here with Brian Johnson, the card collector too, a breaker for the stars. People come into his store, they open up a box to a RPA out of five. It's it, to be in your presence right now is quite an honor. I must say, I, I would uh, oh. I, I would second that if he wasn't wearing a Ohio State scarlet piece of cloth on his mm. body but ryan i'll let you take your little big ups that you just received yeah no, i know i certainly certainly appreciate that adam uh, and i came with a gift i have tracked down and i have officially purchased the rights to card collector and i would like <laughs> to give it to you no way <laughs> no i didn't but oh. now you know what to get for him for the holidays his face got so red because he had to do a full rebrand. He's like, I'm he like, was dude, so nervous. At this point, we're at this point, we're committed. Yeah, we're All committed to. We're committed to the the card collector two brand. But that's <laughs> that's great. You're you're in. That would have been unbelievable <laughs> if that would have been us. Episode. Oh man, uh, uh, I have so, the deed right here. It's signed. <laughs> but yeah, well, so I certainly uh, certainly want to start off the show by you know just. Really giving my condolences to your your Penn State Nittany Lions man. Put oh. up a fight closer than I expected, but sorry, just really not sorry. close enough to cover because we missed two two point conversions down the stretch. Which but you tough. did get a convenient field goal right before the half. Yeah, I mean poor performance on you guys' part, but that's all right. You guys won. We'll it's, move on from fine. that. It's fine. I would like to introduce a good friend of mine. His name is Adam Lefko. You probably know him. He's waving if you're watching. He also has a beautiful background. It reminds me of seventh grade. Do you want it to be blue? Do you want it to be gray? Does mom want it to be the, the forest behind for picture day? It's of course, beautiful. It's perfect. Of course. What it um, allows me to do is to not fold or put away clothes, and you guys have no idea. I highly recommend it. Meanwhile, I've got glow-in-the-dark stars behind me from mid-90s over here. But, you know, we Childhood we bedroom? It. Oh, yeah. Childhood COVID life. Wow. COVID how life. Do you, how do you break free and explore yourself as an adult human? It's a fair question. I'm eight months later still trying to figure it out, but we'll get there. Through we'll sports there cards, Tyler. You're doing it through sports cards. It's <laughs> a good point. But I, I wanted to bring up a story because uh, really the last thing that I did that I remember that was like a normal human uh, thing was. You and I waited online together in the freezing cold in Chicago for oh, D Wade's Spades tournament the night of the All Star game. Wow, that did happen. We had just met each other Every after had- karaoke, and all I knew was I was supposed to meet some Tyler kid, and he just comes out of like it was like Gary was there, and then all of a sudden it was like, I'm Tyler. And I was like, yep. holy shit, you're the Tyler guy. Yep. And then That's I forgot exactly. we were waiting for the Spades tournament. And then Candace uh, blew our chances in the first game. And I yep. held it against her ever since. And if you told me that on November 2nd, we'd be recording a podcast about cards together, mm. it wasn't in the cards at that time. But here we are talking cards. And so we're excited yeah. to have you. Uh, I just, I'm going to put it on wax. You've been a great friend. It's been fun to yeah. get to know you over all things cards, and I very much look up to you and how you conduct yourself and your business, and so thank you for taking the time being here with us. Oh, that was super nice. No, I'm, I'm proud of you guys because as someone that likes making content all the time, uh, we're at a really special time with this sports card stuff. All cards. I don't want to just say a yeah. sports cards, but um, 
I mean, I, I recently called up Matthew Barry because I was like, I feel like this is where you were 15 years ago. And all the things that you could say about fantasy football, like, oh, look at those nerds or, oh, what are they like writing down the statistics? Oh, you care about the statistics and like, mm-hmm. hey, oh, you got a computer system. Like I would have to imagine that there were, and I know there were like rotisserie football leagues and, you know, now it's big money. Now it's big mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's exciting. And I, I think what you guys are doing with a podcast is fun. What, what Ryan does, which looks tireless, which is whether it's making content or running a store. Um, the thing that I love about this is sports cards opened up my entrepreneur brain. I will say this very openly. I have always been someone who said, as long as I'm good at my job, I'm not going to worry about that shit. Mm-hmm. And then Corona hit. And I started using sports cards and I was like, yo, this is dope. And I, I've, <laughs> the amount of financial books that I started to read, the, the ideas for businesses, mainly because uh, every time I talk about cards with somebody, everybody lights up. And yeah. so I want to go to that light. So it's cool. I feel like you guys are in early too. Ryan's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I always want to ask somebody like Ryan, like, do you get annoyed when people like me, Tyler or Lou come in here acting like we know what the fuck we're talking about and you have seen so many iterations of this for so long? No, I mean, I, I said something the other day is uh, on a podcast that I was being interviewed on. It's like we, we don't want to discourage somebody's ideas or beliefs when they just get into the hobby, right? Like people learn at different paces, people pick up on different things, people have different viewpoints of that. So if, you know, I've seen different, like you said, different iterations, but um, there's a lot of different ways to, to view the hobby. So um, yeah, I'm just, I try to be open-minded with it. And, you know, I You're also an overtly nice guy. What'd you say? You're also like an over-the-top nice guy. Yeah, you're like one of the nicer people I've ever interacted with, so that probably helps as well. Well, that was great. But like, Ryan, this is my question. You are literally doing a podcast with someone that is, in my opinion, the loudest soccer card supporter, and then someone that is one of the loudest Pokemon supporters. (laughs) And these are two groups of cards that traditional hobbyists are going, we get it, we get it, we get it, but calm down. And I'm just, I think it's the, the, the combination. I would love your perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it as as an opportunity, right? We had the guy on, uh, we had Matt on, that's the name, right, Matt, last yeah, week? Yep. Yeah, it, about Marvel, and we talked about those, and uh, those are things I don't know as well, so I like learning about it just as much. So, uh, you know, if I would have listened to Lou and uh, Tyler mm. six months ago when we first ha- started having these conversations, I'd have been in a much better spot financially with Pokemon and soccer cards. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I picked up a lot on it. Some things that they say, I, you know, go in one ear and out the other, but they make a lot Fair. of good points. I, it's funny that you say that my guy, I did a podcast with him recently, Chris Jackson, like he yeah. was the dude that I would say, well, I think that this is going to do this. And he go, well, here's the past. But there were a lot of things that I told him early on that ended up working out because I came in with a fresh perspective, which is, I know what Tyler and Lou have, um, but yeah, we're all finding our way. I appreciate you guys having me. I feel like I'm taking over and I don't want to do that. Not at all. This is great. It's the espresso. I, I, I do think that um, very much in line with what we talk about. And uh, there's a term where you like, I don't want to say what it is, but where you over communicate something. I don't know if it's politically correct right now to say beat it like a dead horse, but I'm going to go there anyway. Um you Are you worried about, about horse lobbyists? Yeah, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> or beating over a head lobbyists. But, um, okay. The manager of Santa Anita Racetrack is up in arms over Tyler Schmidt's comments on Card Talk. Exactly. Uh, the entrepreneurial unlock of it. The, the, the trip and fall into something that makes you realize, oh shit, this is like possible yeah. not only in cards, but in a lot of different facets of life and like the leading you to read financial books or whatever. And then just what I've found is now when I look at things, I'm like, Oh, that might be a, that might be a business there. Or like, I might be able to do something with that. Like how much you pay for that? Just down the street, it was going for double, you know? So that's something we've talked a lot about. And I think we've, we've engaged well and and something I want to stay in the lanes of. And so I just want to tap into you a little bit more on someone like yourself, 
from the outsider's perspective, watches you on national TV growing up. You might be 16, 17 being like, well, that's sick. You know, like, how do you, how do you become yeah. something like that? And then you hear from someone like, oh, I'm learning these things too, or it's just a job. But, you know, my own sister right now, she's doing her thing in creative. And my mom's kind of like, you should get a job. She's like, but I freelance and do all this. And so I just wanted to tap into you a little bit of that feeling yeah. of like spark of entrepreneurial, like yes. it's more than so, just buying and selling cards. So Chris, I'm going to give him this compliment also very early on. Cause the thing is, is you see the possibilities in cards and I think all of us go, including your boss, I think I'm going to give it up and I think I'm just going <laughs> to go into cards because it just makes too much sense. Like supply, demand and knowledge about and Chris said in like our second phone call, he goes, I could tell you're getting really wrapped up. Remember that what you do is most important and don't lose sight of that. And I was like, mm -hmm. thank you for that level set. Yeah. Um, like what I'm doing right now, it's when you're in the middle of it, you don't think uh, about like when you were younger and how much of a dream it was. Um, but I know Lou wanted to kind of ask for where what my path was. It was one man band news reporter in Nebraska making 18,000 a year in 2008. You're from Nebraska? No, that was where I took my first job. Got it. So Which... I was shooting, writing, editing, producing, anchoring, all that stuff in Hastings, Nebraska, population 25,000, and if we wanted to cover the Huskers, that was an hour and 10 minute drive. I covered city council meetings, I covered a goat fashion show one time. Um, and someone asked me recently how long I was there. And I was like, I, I did the full two years of that contract. Then I moved to Louisville for three and a half years where I was a news reporter. They, I still couldn't get into sports. Somebody left. I just kept making tapes and the news director was like, we'll give you a chance. Um, was there for about three more years. Couldn't get an agent to sign me. Uh, got so frustrated that I, I made these reference videos. You know, when people do this now, like I, I kind of think I was the first one to do it where uh, I got wrestling references and then the next week I did Seinfeld and the next week I did rap mm -hmm. and I would put in like different lyrics and stuff like that because what you'll learn is when it's you're like the a, Wale mixtape when you're cool. a local newscaster um, you either go viral if a dog poops on the desk next to you or if you do something that is very out of the ordinary. And mm -hmm. I was like, I am tired of just doing the news every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, the rap one went viral. Uh, it's on YouTube at Rapcast. Uh, it got tweeted out by Time Magazine. And then like two minutes later, World Star Hip Hop. And I felt like I had crossed the boundary. Mm -hmm. uh, all of those agents Epic. started calling me again. Then I got a job at Bleacher Report. And I've had like... I've been there for like six, seven years. I feel like I've had so many different iterations there. And the only thing that I've been trying to do, I just want to build community. That's like mm -hmm. my number one thing is how do I, how do I entertain other people? So then NBA on TNT happened this past year. Honestly, with the NBA schedule, I don't know what the TV broadcasts are going to be like going mm -hmm. forward because they don't even know when the season's starting. So we don't know what day of the week it's going to be on. Uh, but Lou, man, it was... It was crazy to be on there the first day and and to look over at Wade and next to Shaq and Candace and to not be awestruck, but instead to be like, these are my coworkers. Because mm -hmm. that that changes a whole – like when my friend Salehi, who I'm very good friends with, is a big sneaker designer, he visited and he kept taking pictures of Shaq. And then afterwards, we're in his hotel room and we're like drinking some bourbon and he's just cracking up. And he just goes – dude, you're like unfazed by Shaq. And I'm like, yeah, because he needs to talk when I tell Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's our job now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it's crazy. And then what really hits at home is when I start getting into the hobby and people are like, hey, man, like, I, like, like, uh, I, I love this. Because the, what I love about the hobby, man, it really might be the best sports fans I've seen. Yeah. Like genuinely, like mm -hmm. they're the smartest sports fans I've seen. They like fantasy players. It's like one big game and they're like, oh, I'm going to pick them up. But like sports cars, like this is hype. This is bullshit. Like I'm yep. not believing it. And um, I've never found a group of people that I wanted to talk to as much. Yeah. And so I'm just doing the path because I knew Lou wanted the path. Yeah. And I was going to I was going uh, to tap into you but, for a but second sorry, there. To the entrepreneur thing. I made 18.5. My second job, I made 32. 
And then, so I never had money to invest. It was yeah. just like, I'm going to work until I get big. Like mm-hmm. that's, I'm just going to figure yeah, it out. And then that one time I'm going to get that check. And so now like I have some money and I'm also like, okay, I don't, I'm tired of being an employee all the time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, how do doing I doing your own thing is super cool. And I'm oh. when when you said that just now when you were like I always would just if along I'm good at my job, I'm good to go. I'm the exact same way. And I actually never put it together till just the second just now when you said that. Like when you can do your own thing and you're like, "Oh, cool. Like I am the decision maker on how this goes." Yes. It's very empowering and very fun. My my friend uh I went to college with also uh his name is Mitchell Hart. He lives in Austin. He has always been someone that like one time started getting manufacturing for like these, these to go containers and started selling them. And I was like, I never even thought about that stuff. And I, and then he would always be like, you need to create machines that can generate wealth for you. And I've always been like, yeah, but I'm a creative and you can't really scale yourself. I can't host eight different things at the same time. Mm-hmm. But then I got into sports cards and I was like, all I talk about are opinions like that was the first yeah. thing your, Gary said to me was, you co- he's like, all you do for your job is argue who's good. So why not make money on that? Yeah. And then when I sold a card, it like hit me like dopamine. And I was like, I can make yeah, money I, on my sports takes. Like I'm so in. Yeah. Meanwhile, you made like $9 on something and you were like, wait. <laughs> but that was the national for me for the first time. First time, Rye, we met. I remember exactly that conference, the the, the big convention center. And on one side of the room, someone was selling the card for like 25% less than it was being sold at a different table. And I was like, both are probably going to be bought. And oh shit. So I just, so like on the first day I bought one of them and the other day I sold it for like $8 more. And to the point of where like the manufacturing thing, what I think it does to the brain is it makes you realize like, Yo, those things that are unattainable, like being on a desk with Wade and Shaq and Candace yeah. talking about sports, are actually fairly obtainable if that wall is not yeah. in front of you. I And also, I would also say, if you're interested in making content, I would say, look around at the people that have had wild independent success. Jim Rome, Dan Lebetard, Pat McAfee. These mm-hmm. are guys that have that cluster Dan Patrick and they have clusters of their friends and you just build. And yeah. like me and Sims learned a long time ago, it probably took us two and a half years before anybody even gave a shit. And mm-hmm. we didn't realize they gave a shit at that point. But all of a sudden Sims would say something and it would get picked up by like a 49ers blog and we would have all these alerts set. And then one season they just started going off. And I was like, Sims, you've been saying that take for three years. Yeah. It was like, it was like, we talked about Blake Bortles not being good for three years. And then one year, everybody was like, wait a second, Blake Bortles isn't good. And I was like, wait, where the fuck you been? My question for Ryan would be though, you've been to a lot of conventions. What is it going to be like now that everybody has some form of market tool for values that when I go to a table and you go, oh, that Luca is going to be fourteen hundred, and then I go and I go, well, the eBay comps have it at thirteen twenty, or Card Ladder has it at thirteen ten. You know how how different do you think it's going to be that we're going to have this information readily available? And does that take away from your advantage of dealing so much and knowing values? I don't think it it it's going to make any difference at all. I mean, I've gone to the last ten nationals, and it's been I've had a phone for all of them. Right. Mm. So you're always going to have the eBay app by, uh, you know, on you if you have your phone. I think the big thing I think about with the conventions that's really intriguing, especially for a seller, is the national next year in Chicago, assuming it happens, will be the single biggest sports card convention of all time. It Mm -hmm. will be huge. I've started planning the trade night we run. It's 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 going to be massive. There's going to be a live episode of Card What's Talk the happening. date? What's the date? Uh, end it's of the, July. It's, it's first the last week of weekend of July. Yeah. I'll tell you what. If there's a if there's an early window to this COVID thing ending, my money would be like it, the, I would say <laughs> early July. My my wedding is in May. Okay, and I'm telling you that not feeling confident about it, but July. <laughs> July I got 28th hopes for July. specifically. 
in Chicago. What a great time to be in Chicago. But that's fascinating. So you think it's going to be the biggest of all time. What's been the biggest before this one? Probably the last one. I mean, it's it, at this point with the market getting bigger and bigger every day, and especially with what COVID did to it, it's going to be huge. But that's where I think the the biggest advantage for sellers is going to be is just the sheer number of buyers, right? So you're going to go in there and you're going to uh, you're going to have a Luca PSA ten for twelve hundred, and someone's going to be like, "Hey, these do eleven fifty. There's somebody in that room no that's going to pay twelve hundred dollars for that card, right? Cards just are going to fly so fast, so fast that so uh, you'll you'll know how well you're doing when there's a ton, a whole room full of people. Yes. You're either selling stuff or you're not selling stuff. So I don't know if you're going to be sitting on eBay price checking every single card. I think yes. you're just going to have to, you know use a little instinct there and, and take some shots. This is Adam Lefko's advice for people that have never been to a convention, noting that I have never been to a convention. My number one piece of advice, because all I do is just listen to people, is don't buy or, or buy anything right away because everyone tells the story. I went in, I spent everything immediately, and then I went around, I didn't even realize what was there. That's just the number one piece of advice I've heard from everybody. Uh, Adam, you walk in. Again, I've been, I went before this year they canceled. I'd been in the last 10 since Cleveland in 2009. And you walk in, and even as someone that's been so many times, it is overwhelming. You walk mm. in, and I believe the size requirement to host the national is half a million continuous square feet. So these are huge buildings, wow. right? These are massive places filled with everybody and anybody in cards, right? All of the big graders, the card companies, supplies, everything is there. So you walk in and it's just, it's overwhelming. So if you go in and you rush to spend your money real quick, you're you're not going to make it very far. You're going to walk in and see a Babe Ruth game used jersey and a Ty Cobb bat and just be immediately blown away. Yeah. And you got 500,000 continuous square feet. Are to PSA and BGS stuff. on opposite sides? It's all in the center. PSA, yeah, BGS, SGC, David Adams, or everyone is yeah. in the middle. It's the black. main people mm. are in the middle. Panini, Tops, Upper Deck. Do they talk to each other? Are they competitive with each other? Do you think? It's like the Sharks and the Jets. No, it's not. I'm mm. kidding. Do they it's do not, like live? Do they do like live auctions with a real auctioneer? I don't think so. Missed opportunity. I they volunteer. Do. I like that. I actually, I like we got twelve hundred for the Luca. Twelve hundred. I got twelve twenty-five. Oh, yeah. Twelve twenty-five. Oh, twelve fifty. Twelve fifty. I feel on. like we should. This could be a card talk consignment play. I did pitch that. I was thinking about consigning <laughs> my po- my Pikachu on this podcast. Okay, I want to. Can we get into like some like Adam Lefko takes really it. quick? Because I want to do it. I need yeah. to understand. I have two. I have two things for you. One part of why I love Lou and I love Tyler is they're not afraid to say I disagree with you. And not I only the will same I disagree way. with you, I'll say I hate you, but I don't really. And I will, I will only Lou has disagree told me with that people. Multiple. Yeah, I will only disagree with people uh, when I respect them. When I don't, I go, oh. Yeah, yeah just kind of. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let me ask you two things. One, I want to understand your perspective on the Pokemon thing because you are very, uh, you go back and forth. Like you, I'm all over the place. Yeah. In the best possible way, like you're like, wait, I actually like this a lot, yeah. but then also like I'm already here, X percent increase, why wouldn't I sell this? And then number two, the other thing I want to understand from you is like, what are like your, I don't want to say three, give me your big, like your biggest observation you've taken away now, like six or eight, six or seven months into this, mm. that you, an observation where you were like, oh, and it made you think about something differently. Because I think when I talk to you, I hear a perspective from you where you listen to a lot of collectors in a way that I necessarily wouldn't, where I'm closed-minded yes. and stupid that way, and you're not. Well, no, my um, it my friend Salehi said to me recently, he goes, he goes, your best quality is that you're curious and that you ask questions. Best fucking quality in the world. And it, because I... Like, I'll ask dads what it's like having a kid because I don't want to figure that out when it happens. I want to have some idea. Like, it's okay to, to admit that you don't know things. So first off was my thoughts on Pokemon. When you started talking about it a lot, it made a lot of sense. And when I, the Pokemon collectors give me the same vibes as sports card collectors where once I look at them and I go, oh, wow, this is a very stable market. They give me this grin where it's like, We've been enjoying it for a very long time and nobody knows. So that's there. Uh, it has a huge fan base. I, I get everything. 
it's the people that are in right now. It's this hoopla that it turns me off and it kind of scares me a little bit. And um, when I see people like the, the box being broken with it not being a real box was not the part of the video that I didn't like. The part of the video that I didn't like was the 20 minute intro from whoever that podcast is, where all they said repeatedly was, I don't even can't believe I'm saying a Pokemon box, but we think it's going to turn into a lot of money. And as soon as like, when I hear people say, buy this sports card because it's going to go up and then you can sell it for more money. There's no storytelling there. There's no heart. There's no passion. But when someone says, this is a LeBron black gold out of five. This was the big get in that hobby box. Like, and so it's the characters that are in that are mm-hmm. scaring me. But I would also say to you that I agree that I think Pokemon has been a long-term play and I still think it's a long-term play, but this is a very unique piece of time. As Ryan said, we're about to have the largest convention ever. We are at, we are at a mania. And so there's part of me that goes, there's a dip after this, just like there was a dip of those Ronaldo prisms, mm-hmm. just like there was a dip of, of modern NBA, Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, My guy. I'm, I'm not personally mentioning all of the cards that you have. Um, <laughs> But but my, but but my thing is is I believe in Michael Porter Jr. long term. I believe in Cristiano Ronaldo cards long term. But it's one of those things where it goes up and then down. And so mm-hmm. the question is is how much do you believe in it? Yeah. And I don't really want to be owning cards and hanging out with Guru. He just doesn't seem like somebody I want to hang out with. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What do you think? I'm I'm making this a human thing. Yeah. But. No. I I agree with you. The, the thing when you say the part where it's like there's a hoopla and right that happens no matter what though like that happens with with basketball it happens with uh football happened a little bit it happens with soccer cards whenever there's a huge moment vintage basketball had that moment as well where it's like oh people are chasing money it's like yeah because they go on tmz they see a tmz headline of like this is this sold for 250k and now they're lying to tmz rob kardashian had like a one thousand dollar the fact that tmz has become like the the hub you know sports card sales it's funny i'm just jumping in real quick i i really believe that all those people don't go through the moment of like oh shit the entrepreneurial thought or the business thought or the let me think it's more just i can make money doing this yeah Hey, everyone. Hey, guess what? You can make money doing this. Look at well, this the ba- card. The, the barrier for this is not um, money. It is education. Yep. And that if you come in and spend a lot of money, it doesn't like that's not hard. It's not yeah. hard to spend money. It's hard to make money. Mm-hmm. Like I've always told people, like, it's very easy to buy cards. Yep. And it is the opposite to sell those cards. Mm-hmm. I'm like beating myself up so much right now about like selling cards. I don't know which why. ones. Uh, I have some Pokemon stuff I want to sell in general, like a Luca. But to your point of, it's hard to sell cards because I'm definitely in a bit of an emotional state with my cards right now. I think it's the same thing as trading on your fantasy team. You know, you, yeah. you take a guy. Yeah, and you're no, like, he uh, could for still, real. For real, he's got a good schedule coming up. I know that's like, my Ooh. guy. Like I drafted him. I want to win the chip with him. And then Lou, your question about like observations is um here's here's a few that i've that i think i've learned the the market cap i saw somebody post something about that recently it is important to know which players are the most popular by collectors i agree with that mindset um if you're collecting luca there's a lot of people like you and there's going to be a lot of interest in that um but i know that us and a lot of people that we know you're going down well maybe andy roddick you know what I mean? Or I was looking at Naomi Osaka, but it's like, how many people really are going to want that? Because I don't want to, if you're doing a PC, which I think is important, you really should like the cards. Um, I get it. But if you're looking to flip, no. Another thing, Lou, is that um, if you have your friend on FaceTime since we're in COVID and you go to show him your cards and you you look at your cards and you go, oh, I don't really want to show those for, then sell them. Like, it, what is it going to go up? A few mm-hmm. hundred more dollars as yeah. we get closer to the season? 
I, well, then if yeah. it's, if that's a big part of your bankroll, then we're doing bankroll management, but we're not keeping them longer than we need to. If it doesn't, if it, if you don't want to show it to your friends, it doesn't matter. Yeah, if it doesn't excite um, you, it's really not worth having anyway. But we and also would, get. I'll go for it. No, go. please. But we get that on that same type of piece of advice though. When we get asked all the time, like, "Hey, when should I sell this card?" Right? And you mentioned you mentioned bankroll. It's like. If that card if doesn't interest you, if you're not keeping this card forever, if it doesn't interest you enough, does that money keep you playing the game, right? Does that money keep your card? Is that your only card budget? Is that not your card budget? I think that's a very, uh, that's a, that's a good point though. It's like, if that, depending on how much money you have in the game in cards, everybody's different. Does that money allow you to buy more stuff or is that money irrelevant in the grand scheme of things? Then it's hold it for two months, three months, sell it later and make your money. But yeah. That's what I was talking to you, Adam, about. It was like, you were talking about selling your Red Cheeks 10 and whatever you bought it That's for. That's right. First edition PSA 10 right, Red Cheeks 10. Down. I got gonna... one. If you're interested. <laughs> well, <laughs> but if you are, make sure it comes through the path here. So <laughs> the card talk consignment. Validate the consignment. There's a promo um, code. Yeah. Um, no, what I was saying to you was like, cool, what are you going to do with the profit that you made off of that? Like, right. what are you, what is the upgrade you're making with 100%. your four, five, six, seven thousand dollars in that situation as opposed, like, what are you going to do with that money? If you're not going to do anything with it, do you want to know like certain cards? 100%. No, go for it. Yeah, Ryan. yeah, no, no, let's you're actually, let's, yeah, I want to know. I want to hear what Ryan has to say. That is, I get asked this all the time from people that have like bigger, some of my friends that have bigger investments, like Luca Red Prism PSA 10 rookie and LeBron Tops Chrome PSA 10 rookie and major cards, five figure cards. And they're like, should I sell this? Should I sell this? Not. If you have something else to do with the money, sell it, right? If you're like, hey, this Luca's cool. I don't really love it, but I have, I want to do this with the money then sell the card. If you're not going to do anything with the money, you're not making any money in a savings account. Would I rather have the Luca three months from now or the $10,000 in a checking account three months from now? I definitely rather have the Luca. So at that point, it comes down to what are you, in Lou's point, I could not agree more with this, is what are you going to do with the money? If you have an immediate plan, sell the card. If you don't, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, unless, again, if it's Blake Bortles, maybe sell mm -hmm. it. Right, right, right. It's different on who that is, but if it's, you know. I, uh, Lou, it was, I was going to use the funds. My grandmom's going through a lot. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I want to make you feel guilty. I, uh, I, I wanted to jump. I think it's well, right hold on, on this Well, let me topic. answer Lou's question. Right, keep going. Yeah, sorry, I want to understand. Keep going, sorry. I want to understand So, this. So for me, it would be, um, I think that there's something really exciting about getting money that's profit. And then sitting back and looking at the entire market and going, where do I want to attack this right now? Mm -hmm. And so if I was going to be honest, if, if I'm, and I, I always couch this when I do interviews because uh, I should always buy these cards before I talk about them. But like if I was going to look around with 10 grand, I'm either looking at a few people. I'm looking at Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes. I'm looking at Kyler Murray. I'm looking at Russell Wilson. If I'm doing that, I'm mm -hmm. looking at Devin Booker. I'm looking at underpriced vintage after it skyrocketed and then collapsed. If there's anything there that I really like. Um, I'm also, to be very candid, thinking about putting maybe it into a fund, a card fund. And I, I know that this is something that's typically been reserved for... Um, this is a different way of investing, but like, oh, if you don't know a lot of cards, a fund is, a, is an easier way to get in. At the same point, what I've learned at least is that the multipliers of the big cards go up a lot faster than the littler cards. And so if there are funds out there that have the really biggest cards that are out there, like maybe this is a smarter way of using 10 grand that isn't going to be on, what if Kyler tears an ACL? God forbid. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so... I don't know. I've thought about that too, because is that a way of diversifying my, my card money? It's a lot less fun because it's a lot more fun to do the flipping, but yeah. 
I'm just telling you where my brain goes. Yep. The other thing you said to me a while back, and I'm not sure if you still, I think you still do subscribe to this, is you were like, what's the $1.2 million card? And like, that's yeah. where you want to focus your energy as opposed to the Kyler and all that stuff. This is why I would say to people, the best way to learn about the hobby is not from DMing people and asking questions. Mm-hmm. It's not even from listening to podcasts. It's from watching breakers. Because if you watch breakers, you learn what matters. You learn which athlete they stop on and talk about the most. You learn the fact that it's a good card, but we're going to flip it over because if it has a serial number, I really fuck with it. And so you, you see what causes reaction. Uh, I see how people react to a stained glass. I see how they react to a kaboom versus how they react to a my house. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff. But mm-hmm. w- just from talking to more and more people, we can, we can convince ourselves that silvers are cool, but when it's serial numbered or it's gold or it's an NTRPA, there are certain brands that hold the most like true value. And so for me, it would be like, like I sold my Luca the day that he dropped 40 and the triple double. I sold it at halftime, I think for 1700, not because I don't believe in Luca, but because if I'm going to invest in Luca, I don't want it to be the base. I want to get a step up or something like that. So I'm going to take that money and I used it for something else. But, uh, and again, I would rather ask Ryan these questions because I'm eight months in, but that for me, it's the, the $1.2 million cards are the ones that are truly rare and they're harder to get. And so I'd rather find ways to get them than have a bunch of little pieces. But yeah, I mean, that's a hundred percent accurate. If you're going to buy something long-term, which card do I want 10 years from now? The prism rookie at a Luca at a 99 that, you know, don't come up for sale very often. Most people that have them have them in collections put away. Like you're not seeing those. I mean, how many times I would be curious to know how many Giannis Prism rookie cards numbered out of 199 or less have sold on eBay in the last 90 days. Right. It's probably less than five, maybe and less Ryan, than I 10. remember when I got in, because you're nervous when you first get in. So what you do is you go, I can't afford that. So let me get this Luca just so that I have a piece of the action. And, and I know it's not going to go up, but it's going to go up a little bit. And then that mindset eventually fades away where like you show somebody your Luca and they're like, do you got anything serial numbered? And I'm like, ah, okay, I get it. Yep. And I, and I, I almost think there's like a, like a hierarchy to the card, like the, the card game, right? It's like there are certain cards that your average collector is trading, right? If you're just new to the hobby, you've got a limited budget. There are certain cards that are trading. And then there's cards that are traded by more of like a higher end, a dealer, a full-time card entrepreneur, where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, like when Lucas got to PSA, PSA 10's got to two grand, your everyday nine to five guy probably doesn't have four or five of those he's sitting on. Mm-hmm. Like he's probably got a Donruss PSA 10 and a select raw rookie card. So I think that there's there's tears there with that. Um, but yeah, I just I go I go back to Giannis PSA 10 prisms in the last 90 days, base rookies versus Giannis Prism rookies out of 199 or 249 in the last 90 days. The numbers are gonna be very different. And that's for that's for a reason, right? Five years from now, if you wanted something of Luca, the PSA 10 will be readily available. The Prism Luca at a 99 or 199 won't be. Yeah. And I think for the uh, back to like supply and demand, even if demand is less, if supply is much less, sometimes you only got to hit, you know, you only need one person to want to buy that card for 1.5 million to sell it for 1.5 million. Right. Whereas if you've got 13,000 Zions, like, you can only creep up so much marginally in terms of price because people are just going to, someone's going to be willing to sell it for just a little bit less. But also we, again, and we, we've talked about this before on the podcast. We don't really know yet how many people got in cards when COVID hit. Yeah. Right. So this is something that Ryan talks about a lot. And I appreciate the fact that even when Gary was on, he wouldn't back down from it. That you were saying that COVID genuinely caused a huge explosion. 100%. And I guess my my question for you would be, are we ever going to go back to normal? 
or is this post-COVID world just going to kind of be what it is, where people are more comfortable online and Zoom and digital trade shows? And like, is this kind of the new normal now? I get a lot of like that that normalcy from like Tyler and Lou because they see it a lot more like with the Zoom calls. I'm not in the like the professional world as much, so I get a lot of that from them. Mm. But yeah, that's that's always been the million dollar question, right? Is when we go back to normal, whatever that looks like, and you can go to a sporting game and you can go, you can travel and you can buy things. Do those people remain in the hobby? Are we inflated just because there isn't an alternative option to spend money or to go places? So that that is the, that's where I think about it is if you can do those things and you have less attention in the card market, are you still staying in it? I think yes. Again, we've talked about with someone before about a daily fantasy, right? Yeah, that, that's where if I was going to take this. Where it's tangible. You've got tangible cards. If you don't have Lamar Jackson on your fantasy team, but you believe in Lamar Jackson, you go buy his rookie cards. They're tangible. You get them. If Lamar Jackson goes up, you're making something on that. Um but I think w- where I was going to take it is like this past month, first off, uh, sports betting. Sports betting has been around for an incredibly long time. People have been betting on sports. Yet there's a very large subset of people that think it's like this new ho- phenomena or hobby or like all of a sudden dudes like to bet on <laughs> sports. But you can't, you can't um, discount the fact that all these people got into sports cards. Guess what? Now everyone's going to build around keeping them there, right? So like the, the, with with sports betting, the the same people that would have been betting forever ago, 80 years ago, now they just have the access and the ability to. And what we know, the collective group of this four, is that there's a lot of money being, being thrown into building platforms for accessibility, the iterations around it. 80 years ago, you couldn't just fire up DraftKings right now and bet on who's going to score the first touchdown in the Giants game tonight. Or over under on the third string Giants rookie, uh, you know, catches one and a half minus one thirty seven or something like that. So, I think that what business is really good at is making sure that they don't go away. And Todd, your point there about the instant is what I also love about cards, right? You're like, hey, if I'm going to go bet on the game tonight, and I'm going to, I want to go bet right now that this guy's going to do this tonight. Hey, if I want to go rip a box of Prism. There's a good chance somebody right now has the ability to rip a box of Prism for me instantly, right? You're selling time the -hmm. same way Amazon sells it. You're selling the instant gratification portion of this because we forget a lot. There are a lot of collectors in this, but there's a lot of gambling as well, right? You want to rip a $1,200 or $2,000, whatever Prism basketball costs right now, I think it's $2,300. You want to rip a $2,300 box of Prism? There's somebody out there that can do it for you right now now and i think that's always going to be a big factor in this is hey i can get a quick fix and get a ten thousand fifty thousand hundred thousand dollars ion quickly i just I, yep. yeah I, I think it's here to stay i'll also say this so this is DraftKings stock this week mm-hmm. absolute free fall i think it went mm-hmm. from 65 to 35 mm-hmm. and then you pull up our good buddies out okay. there at collector universe <laughs> and that's collector's universe the last six months And the thing I would say is I asked someone recently, why is DraftKings stock falling? And they were saying, well, because it's so unreliable about when sporting events are going to be. It's hard to bet on sports when you don't know when the games are going to be. And I thought, that's funny because this boomed when there was no sports. Mm -hmm. Sports card prices go up when there are no sports. If I was going to do a counter idea to something that you guys said recently, where you were like, now's a great time to buy Kevin Durant and Steph Curry which I agree, they're all-time greats. But I would just say, go look at, and I feel like my video is skipping, but go look at Trey Young, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry, and Bradley Beal, and all these guys that did not play in the bubble. Compared to all the other drop-offs, it actually hasn't been that much because there's always the what if. As It's almost like, to mm-hmm. me, when you have reality, as soon as Patrick Mahomes steps foot on the Super Bowl, his prices go down. Like, you, I hope you guys understand. It's like the that, best part of Christmas is not Christmas. It's, it's the idea the 25 of Christmas. Days of, yeah, it's, when, when you guys did a podcast, when the NBA said we might be returning December 22nd, Tyler immediately went, you know that if Zion comes in and drops 50 on the first night, that it's going to be crazy. 
And I'm not going to lie, a part of me was like, man, Zion really could come out and drop 50. But the thing is, as soon as he plays the first game and he doesn't drop 50, it's it's over. And so, and that's why for me, I'm almost like, man, is is this the highest KD is going to be until he shows that he's going to be a champion? Mm-hmm. I just, it's the funny thing about sports cards is it doesn't need sports. Yeah, because even so when there's no sports, driven. it's about narrative and legacy and... Um, that's why I love Kareem. Yeah, because I'm like, man, I love the arguments for Kareem. They're so but, good. But Adam and, and Tyler and Lou, I would all, I would love your guys' opinion on this because I, your your point about Zion doesn't come out and drop fifty, it doesn't bode well, right? Like Drew Locke has one bad game, prices start to dip, right? In then the he market, comes back dancing. Then he comes back dancing. But the, what I'm getting at is the market right now is so we had this big run up end of July. Early August, right? There was a, that's when the card market was the hottest. It's cooled down since then. Yes. Mbappe silvers dropped. Everything's pretty much down. My question is: Does the volatility now with overreaction Monday does that scare you? Are in- you seeing overreactions? Because I, I would say, and I'm genuinely asking this as a question. I feel like people only study the markets of which they own cards. Like when you have a Luca. You use the Luca market as a metric. So, wh- where are you seeing overreactions from I, your like? Yeah, I mean, Zion's up in the last month. I see it as people that are playing now, right? Like, look on if you're again. I'm on Instagram, right, and I'll yeah. follow all these card accounts. And somebody drew lock in the first three quarters. Didn't do a whole lot. And everyone's like, man, rip, rest in peace to all the Drew Lock in- investors. Imagine yeah. putting money in that guy. And then he comes like, and immediately he comes like his stuff goes up, then it goes down, it goes down, it goes yeah. up. It just, it seems like people are so quick to react with one bad game. Now football well, is only a six, 16 week season. And but. so as somebody that has now covered the NFL for like six, seven years, and I used to cover college basketball and I work in the NBA, that is my least favorite part about NFL is that it's literally a game that is because of the pauses creates more overreaction. You have a play and then you have 35 seconds to talk about what they should have done. You have a play and, and, and it's the same. And then you have 35 seconds to predict what they're going to do. And then mm-hmm. with the NFL, there's a game on Sunday and you wait a week. The NBA, we overreact when, oh, did you notice that Rui Achimura put together five games in a row? Like, unless you drop 50, there's no overreactions. But I, I just think that's the nature of the NFL is... Yeah, it's why it's called. There's also like, well, his offensive coordinator sucks, or like this guy's awful. NFL's so hard. Like if DK Metcalf wasn't, you know, like learning from Russell Wilson and like completely getting that mind meld of like you're going to be the greatest of all time, would he be this great other places? I don't think so. And and so that's why like sure he would be on the Jets. And would Sam Darnold be that bad on other teams? Yeah, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson has played with. With uh, Bortles, Blake Bortles, Christian Hackenberg, and now like decomposing uh, Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. Yep. Tyler, one of the things we were talking about yesterday was because we were talking about wide receivers and like football cards and everything. And one of the things I thought going in so hard was position players are going to be a lot bigger than they turn out to be. I thought position players are going to be a very big thing, right? And what I didn't account for was as opposed to basketball and baseball and pretty much every other sport of the bigger of the bigger sports, like. Your destiny is so not in your hands in football. It's so reliant on the other pieces, like the other uh, yeah. cogs in the machine, and yeah. j- even quarterbacks. Like, like we were saying, like I still think whatever Sam might be good or not. No, I think Sam's really good, but it has zero. He has zero control over how the rest of this year goes and how the rest of his career might go. It's it's why I think that um, Mahomes' prices are so dangerous. I am friends with Mahomes. I love that guy. He is already, in my opinion, a top 10 quarterback of all time with what he's already accomplished, uh, MVP and a Super Bowl, like amazing. But I feel like the prices have already baked in three to four Super Bowls. Yeah. And as you just said, if his offensive line gets hurt or, yeah. or his wide receivers get into a contract dispute. Or Andy Reid decides to retire and go be with his fam. Moments or his fleeting. Or his defense lets up 50 points. Like... It's just so unpredictable where the NBA, it's like there's, they're, they're 20% of the guys on the court. But, but I'm not sure I 100% agree with that. The one thing I will say, like 
Look at some of the teams that Brady had on the Patriots that weren't very good, and True. they're not good very now without Tom Brady. Totally. With all these totally. bums. So I, I think talent has to place a, a huge factor in this. Like, totally. I'm, I'm not saying Mahomes is going to win a Super Bowl on the Jets. I'm not sure anybody would win on that team. But, but if there's one guy, it's him. That's true. Sports are hard enough as it is. And Hold on, Tyler. What's that face? Are you a Mahomes doubter? No, no. He's talking about like the Jets. with the underhanded. Uh, like yeah. no one will win on that team. Yeah, he's being very the negative. Jets are te- the Jets are terrible. Yeah, so are the Patriots, Ryan. The Jets, the Patriots Wait, are fucking awful. Jason, there's a clip where I crushed Ryan. Absolutely crushed Ryan about him picking the Patriots to win the AFC East. And I need it bad because yeah. I think I painted the exact picture <laughs> I, I, that they're going I, through right I, now. I want to go back to something that we were talking about earlier where we were talking about where cards – like is car is this moment like – is it fleeting? Is this something that can really stick? Adam, like talking to collectors and when they talk about how it does – like this doesn't make any sense and like this can't stay the way it is. Like breaking was already happening – and like all of these things were already happening. It's just that more people are doing them now. So of course, like it, it gets more popular because I, someone like you, you come in and you're like, oh wait, I'm going to jump in a, in a live stream and watch a break. Like, oh, I'm going to do a break. Oh, and then you tell someone else. Like that's just how these things go. So it's like totally. the, the thing I don't understand and, I'll, and I don't think I ever will is when people say like, this doesn't make any sense. It's like everything that you're already doing, there's just more people doing it now. So like, why does that, why is that so hard to believe is the thing that I never mm. can get my head around. I think that's interesting. It's I, I, I've learned about entrepreneurship and I've learned about how important hype is and storytelling mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing if you're looking to sell a business or you're looking to go public on the stock market. Like there needs to be an humans. energy behind it. Yeah. yeah. Humans um, are humans. I, I have no doubts about the future of this. My my only hope is that there are so many people coming in that want to build foundational changes to the hobby, whether it's changing grading, whether it's changing manufacturing, whether it's changing content, whether it's changing breaking, there, it, hobby boxes, like everything. Like I feel like everything is up for grabs right now. Um, and the reason that I like to talk to hobbyists is because I feel like Ryan has probably heard this story before. He's probably heard of a lot of people with money that came in and said, we're going to corner the market on this. And do I feel like this could be a huge change? It can. Um, But like Lou, like I found it crazy that I would go into live streams and they would be freaked out that I was there because I'm sitting there going, who the fuck am I? And... This is the... And that's not being humble. Like that, it just, I'm being real. real. Like... Cards is funny. The card community is funny in that that is a thing that happens. And then it's like, they're like hockey fans and it's like, get off my lawn at a certain point. And that's the thing that I don't understand. That part um, I don't get. How can you be so I, excited to have someone like you in it? And it's amazing. It's super fun. Yeah. It's like, cool. Let's go here. I think we're here. speaking in general terms a little bit. I think you can go into anywhere, any yeah. place and find positive and negative. Um, but I'm sure there are fantasy football. I'm sure there are true fantasy football players that prefer to write down their statistics by hand. 100%. And think that everyone uses Yahoo. Or is people like that have been putting cheaters. out a podcast for two years saying that these are the best PPR people. And then some new person comes along and they're like, why do you get to do a podcast now? Yes. But what it's I was, like, what course. I was, what I was talking about was when we're talking about the size of the market and how uh, the staying power of it, a lot of people would say that it's driven by influencers like Adam. And the thing where it's like, oh, cool, Adam's here. It's crazy. And yes, I know. Yes, it is. It's insane. And people are like, oh, cool, Adam's here. And then at the same breath, there's there's 20 people saying, oh, this is awesome. And there's another 20 people saying, this is the reason why it's bad. Like, I don't understand that dichotomy. That's all. Uh, um, I made this comparison. And again, I'm going to turn to Ryan to see if I'm crazy. I said this on Stacking Slabs with Brett. I said that, it reminds me of gentrification in terms of this. It's like you move into Harlem and you pay a lot more money for an apartment there and your neighbors, you're looking at them and you're going, hey, guess what? The prices of all of your apartments just went up. And they're like, yeah, but guess what? I didn't want to live in a neighborhood with you. I'm just like being honest. And then more people come in, the, the price keeps going up and then eventually I can't live there anymore. 
And I feel like that's the only thing that I have found that is similar, which is like some people wanted to just collect cards and talk to their friends and that was it. And I think now that people are coming in with different mindsets, whether it's a flipping mindset or strictly a financial mindset, like Lou and Tyler, like you guys genuinely enjoy cards too. Yeah. But, but I think when people first come in, it's only money. And yeah. so that, that's what my guess. And I would go to Ryan yep. to see if it's. I want to use this moment because for about the last 37 minutes, I've been trying to like go to this topic and this is the fourth transition period Sorry. where I've somewhat been able to, but it's on this. And it's around romanticism for the current moment. And, uh, you know, the luck that we <laughs> and I get, get through that. <laughs> Having you on here, you know, and, and I think when I think about people listening and watching, and I always talk about I'm grateful of now seven years of being able to watch someone that I believe is at the tippy top of their craft and being able to do it. But I, I believe that I'm impressed by Lou too. Yeah, me too. It's great. I mean, it's my guy. Uh, the consistency that it takes to always be in the game, in the mix, waking up and being in the mix, whether it's on the desk with Wade and Shaq and Candace, or whether it's Ryan and like, I got a break. I got to open the shop. I got, I got business to do. And then also the constant reinvention that it takes to stay in the game, whether, and I see you coming into cards, you love it as like for your brand and your person, your business as reinvention for the hobbyists that have been in it forever to be in the game. It's you got to keep reinventing the approach with the game as it's changing. Otherwise people will stop caring. Like if you bred the greatest horses of all time in the Northeast ever, and then Ford came along and you probably had the deal on the table, but you were like, get off my lawn. We do horses around here. No one's going to do that. And you took that approach. Or if you were like, yeah, I'm going to use all this leverage I just built up by being the greatest horse on me. And Ford, now you're my boy because I'm going to introduce you. You're going to, and then we're going to do business together. And then when the next thing comes, consistency of saying in the game, consistency of not being romantic about this moment, but being able to reinvent. Can you talk a little bit about that both inside? And I think it's the point that we're making in cards is that people get pissed because they don't want to put in the effort of reapproaching it because things um, are always the con, the only constant is change. Yeah, I think so. Like to go back to living in Nebraska, in every step that I've done, I've thought, oh, this is where I can live for the rest of my life. Like, even when, like, there's a moment where, like, you're a year and a month in and you start getting your bearings in Nebraska and you look around and you go, I can host a radio show. They let me, like, do stuff, uh, whatever. Like, you have to understand, I worked at a TV station that did not have a real functioning website. Like it was pretty good. And I took a salesperson to a local bar called Bullseyes and I convinced the bar owner because I drank there all the time to sponsor an internet show that I did in 2008. There weren't even internet shows back then, but it would live there and I would do live shows from the bar. And then the salesperson offered it for $200 a month. And then the guy paused and she went, 100 and I was like, what the fuck? So like, I have always been like, how do I mix it up? I've always had that mindset. But living in Nebraska, not everyone has that mindset. People just want to live their lives. People don't want to change. People go, you know, my parents grew up in this town. Their parents grew up in this town. And my town, I don't really want it to change. And I think it is a very Northeast mindset. And I'm not calling, uh, I'm just mm -hmm. saying like, it's having lived in Kentucky in rural areas and Nebraska, some people just want to live their lives the way they live it. And they're not trying to get crazy. And it's New York where it's like, I'm going to buy that apartment then I'm going to sell it and I'm going to get a bigger apartment. But like they get married in Nebraska at 18 and they, they got kids by 19. I'm not saying all of them, but I'm saying yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah, that yeah, I met because yeah. I was 21, 22. And they were just like, this is the life that I want to live. Yeah. And, and to me, that's a, that's a huge thing too, is the yep. investor mindset. And some people just want to do what they love, which is yeah. hold their cards and look at it. Yeah. But, but I don't think then that I completely agree. And I think you're right, but there's the disconnect. And then you, are you, why are you pissed at the people that are 
taking it and and changing it. I get the I don't want this to change, but then like if you don't want to be a part of that change, you have to accept that okay, if you want to, there's Panini puts out NBA Hoops product. You don't got to play in the prison world anymore. They put out low-cost stuff. If you want to stay in that world, keep your friend. Like that's fine. But yeah. you can't have both. You can't be pissed at the people that are doing it and then not do it. It okay. seems like this is Ty, it seems like this is less of a card thing and more of a mindset thing. Are you optimistic or are you pessimistic? Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, change is inevitable, right? If if you don't like that Panini's making hoops premium, that's a that's a mi- mindset thing. It has go ahead, Adam. Well, I was just gonna say if you don't like something about the hobby, this is the greatest opportunity, maybe ever, to fix it. No matter what it is. If you're out there and you do not believe that vintage college football gets enough respect, well, then guess what? Own it. The lane is open. You can be the guy that brings it back. Shout out to 2005 Jay-Z Tops, who like used to be Rock Nation cards and then was like, I love this set. And now that's all he posts. And I, I think that if, if you don't like the content in the hobby and you think it's too much about Pokemon, launch a show. I just feel like the worst thing that you can do right now in the hobby is to sit back and complain about what other people are doing in the hobby because people stop caring about everything is available. Like even Ryan, like Ryan has his own hobby shop and he's got, he's doing breaks and all that stuff. And if you're sitting there being like, man, you know, like Ryan's just over there and like, he's just showing me what he's making, like all that stuff. Like, guess what, bro? Start your own. Like, and and don't be that person that in five years is going to look around and see like how the convention's grown every single year and it's getting bigger and there's all these new things popping up and you're going to sit there and be like, man, I had some of those ideas and they stole it. Don't be that guy mm-hmm. because we all have the same ideas about every aspect of this hobby. Like yeah. now is really the chance to make your mark. Yeah. And, and I think, again, you being as someone that can be relatable in the hobby, you pop into a break. People are like, left goes here, epic. And then it's like, this is amazing, but prices just went up on Prism, and I hate that. And it's like, okay, well, which is it? Which is it? What What are we talking about? And you want to you want to be willing to be on the you know national broadcast TV talking about something that you love? Well, then guess what? You got to realize that the world's going to keep changing, and unless you're willing to change with it, probably not going to be on that. Uh, Probably not going to be on that desk. I feel like most people that listen to you guys have that mindset, though. Yeah, but I think you have to keep reminding them with people like yourself that come on and are willing to say it through firsthand experience. Yeah. I just model my life after Lou. I model my life after Tyler, so. And I model, never mind, he's wearing an Ohio State jersey. Oh. I set you up for that, that one. Per- nice. I was good. By the way, I was going to say Ryan. I swear <laughs> I was. And I wanted you to say I model after the Ohio State thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Adam, you're the best. Was that good? I don't know. Was that okay? I think that was great. I feel like it was, but I maybe brought some negative energy. At no, the end. I that was that was great. That's it's a different conversation entirely, but it was really good. And I am I would love to do a sports card state of the union with Adam Lefko once every eighteen episodes. I think it's right. I think that's the play. I'm in. I think that everybody, though, and I know that your producers are just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> my, my, my thing to everybody is, um, I, I'm admitting this now to put more pressure on myself. Like, I have so many ideas for content for the card community, and I'm just not doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, so much of what I'm saying right now is to motivate myself. Because uh, I know that sports cards are here to stay for a very long time. And I know that this is only going to keep growing. And the only reason that I'm not throwing it in crazy is because there's definitely people in my life that are like, I think you're talking about cards too much. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's something that can kind of consume it. But I I say this to everybody, just know that I'm saying it to myself. Now is the time. So. Hell yeah. You texted me that one time when I texted you and I was like, I want to do more podcasting and more media stuff. And you're like, okay. Well, then you should do it. And I, mean, I was like, damn, shit, bro. He just we told have, me I should do it. Yeah. It's, I, and I learned that from uh, what was the guy that was in Even Stevens and then was in Transformers? Shia LaBeouf. Oh, wow. He shot legend. Re- talk about reinvention. 
Talk about reinvention. I, I love it. The guy f- comes like, out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he's smoking a J in the backseat of a car in a garage. And, like, it's national headlines for, like, cool. All right. This episode of Car Talk, the main lesson is life is about execution. <laughs> Adam Lefko yeah. is a legend. And Ohio State sucks. So we will wrap oh. it up. And uh, I disagree. Th- wow. Thank you, Adam. Never mind. But thank you, Adam. I just, I just want to be friends with Ryan. So I'm going to go <laughs> Ohio State. All right. We're leaving. Goodbye, everybody. That's a wrap on Card Talk this week. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen and get notified when we publish a new episode. It'd mean the world to us if you gave us a five-star rating and shared this episode with a friend. We'd love to answer your questions, so email us at cardtalkpod at gmail.com and we'll get to it in the next episode. Card Talk is a 1.37 p.m. podcast and a Gallery Media Group original production.